What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 12 of The Baseline. I'm back. Eddie Montanez here with Zach Zavon checking in a minute or two. Our buddy Mike Pupo is going to be joining us. Uh, we're going to start off today with uh, Team Japan's early showing in the exhibition game. I see that they're playing really well. I saw Lars Nubars playing really good. I saw Tawny hit an absolute nukes. So I think that this Team Japan, this Team Japan team could really come out and maybe uh, make a run for it. But I don't really see them getting past DR USA after Pool A. No, I mean, like you were saying, they're. Shohei Otani's showing up. He's hitting really well. I know they said he's going to be pitching and batting for them. But, yeah, I mean, Shohei's showing up, obviously. Uh, Lars Nupar's showing up, too. There's another guy that I saw a video of that's a monster with the bat, too. I'm going to butcher the name, but I'm going to try it. Munitaka Mirakami, 23-year-old kid from Japan. I saw a video of him. I, he... Barreled one up and crushed it. I mean, crushed it. Like we were talking about, I don't know if it was last week, two weeks ago, about some of these guys from Japan. They're, they got some power bats over there. And there's a lot of guys that I would like to see come play in the United States in the MLB sometime. But, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. They have a lot of really promising guys playing. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you're saying about the guys coming up. I definitely feel like not only with Team Japan, like we're going to see a lot of players that we don't know, like from Team Venezuela maybe. Canada, like all these teams might have some real good studs that are not on the MLB, and I'm looking forward to see what they could do and see what they could do against MLB players especially. Yeah, I mean, Team Japan, like I said, has a good good lineup. And like you said, I don't I don't see them getting past teams like USA, Dominican. I mean, I know Puerto Rico is a pretty good team too. I mean, I think those three teams are going to be the teams to beat this year. But, I mean, I, I think Japan – might have a chance at it. I mean, I think they're going to get pretty far. Yeah, I saw they were ranked in front of Puerto Rico. I don't. I wouldn't agree with that just for the lone fact that I think Puerto Rico's team's better just because they're almost on the MLB and not a lot of us know uh, uh, what they could do. But like what we said, like there's a lot of players that I think that are going to come in and show what they could do against all these MLB players. Yeah, and here's our buddy joining the stream. Here's Mike. Do you have anything to say on the Japan thing, Mike? Uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, their team's absolutely loaded. Um, you know, you look at Shohei, you uh, Darvish is on that team. Shohei already has two home runs. You know, they're – I don't really see US, the U.S. beating them if they were to play. Um, but – I think Japan, and the first time in a long, long time, uh, Japan has a really good, really good team this year. I completely forgot about you. I think that yeah, I knew you. You was the one pitching the uh, Mirakami or whatever the hell his last name was yeah. that I said I crush that ball. I definitely forgot about you. So I definitely think that with you and Otani as the one and two probably. And we all know that there are some freaks at in Japan that could pitch too, like Sanga came from Japan. So, like, I definitely think that Team Japan is nothing to be messed with. I definitely think that they could come in and show what's up, especially how I've, how we can keep saying there's a lot of people that we don't know what they could do, especially from all these other countries that are not in the MLB. So it's going to be really fun to see what Japan and not only them, but other teams that we don't really know about do in the WBC. 
I know they have uh, Seiya Suzuki's playing for them too. He did, he had a pretty good season at the beginning of last year. I mean, I think I think Suzuki's a good player. He just kind of fell off later in the season, but yeah, I, I definitely think he can help them out too. I think he was top three in uh, NL Rookie of the Year. He was so, for for a while. Yeah. I mean, even around the All Star break, maybe he was still in a running for it. Yeah, so I definitely think this team, Japan team, could come out and do something. But you now, know, what's up, Mike? Do you know when they play next? Uh, I don't know when. I think Japan plays like March 9th. I know tonight uh, the Netherlands play Cuba at like 11 p.m., so I'll probably stay up for like an inning or two of that. I think Japan yeah. plays tomorrow at 5 a.m. Yeah, they play early, so like we're not going to really be able to watch a lot of it. I only really saw a couple clips on Instagram, so like – yeah, their time difference yeah. is a little yeah. lag. Yeah, I mean, I can watch the games on my way to work at five, but <laughs> yeah, who wants to do that when you're on the way to work? No. All right, on to our next topic. I see that the Team USA and Team DR lineups are absolutely disgusting. Like Team USA got Trey Turner leading off, Mookie batting second, Mike Trout batting third, Goldschmidt batting fourth, Alonzo batting fifth. Aaron Otto batting sixth, Kyle Tucker batting seventh, JT Ramuto batting eighth, and Jeff McNeil batting ninth. That lineup's actually disgusting. You have the NL batting oh. champ batting ninth on Team USA. You have arguably the best third baseman in the league batting sixth. You have Kyle Tucker batting seventh. Like, I don't think you could really argue that this lineup – well, you definitely could argue, but I definitely think, in my opinion, this lineup is probably the best in the World Baseball Classic. But definitely, like, with DR's lineup, like, they got Rodriguez leading off, Juan Soto at second, uh, Machado third, Devers in the hole, Hernandez fifth, Andre Franco sixth, Eloy Jimenez seventh, Adamas eight, and Gary Sanchez nine. I would give the edge to the USA lineup because I definitely think that they got the better catcher and uh, better DH, Alonzo and Eloy, and then JT and uh, Gary Sanchez. But if you really look at the pitching, like the DR's pitching is insane. Like it could be a one through five in the MLB. Like it's mm. actually disgusting. Do you? Yeah, uh, I mean, go ahead, Mike. There you go. No, I mean, I USA's lineup. I I lo- I love it. I mean, there's those are some really good bats, really good, you know, fielders, outfielders. I like. The Jeff McNeil and Kyle Tucker, them two guys, in my opinion, are underrated by a lot of people. I mean, Kyle Tucker has a really good bat. He's a really good outfielder. Jeff McNeil, great second baseman, really – that's a really good bat. I mean, you guys probably know more about it than I do. But, I mean, I always like Jeff, Jeff McNeil. I like Kyle Tucker. I mean, I think I think they're going to play a fa- play a better factor than most people probably think. Do you have a um, – do you have the pitchers for the for DR off the top of your head? Uh, Framber Valdez, Christian Javier. I know them two are in the rotation. That's just gross right there. Uh, give me a sec. I'll look it up if I can. If, if their pitching is significantly better, I would probably take them over to U.S. team. Um, just – I mean, just looking at the lineups, I, I think the left Oh, yeah, they're, yeah they're, they're pitching is Sandy Alcantara as their ace. They yeah. got Amber Valdez as the two, Luis yeah. as the three, and then Javier as the four. That's just gross. Yeah, that is gross. I think their left fielder, uh, obviously, Soto is better than 
than uh, Tucker. Uh, other than that, who's, who's that second baser for them? I don't know. Who would you take over? Would you take uh, Franco or McNeil? I take McNeil just for the bat. Yeah. But like I, I definitely think Wander's defense is better, but McNeil bat is just really good. Yeah, McNeil bat at what like three twenty one last year. Three twenty one last year. Yeah, that that's gross. And we yeah. got him for dirt cheap, didn't we? Yeah. In the offseason, so that's that's huge. But um, just looking at these lineups, I like you guys said. I think I think Team USA has the better bats, and the Dominican Republic has the better pitching. But although the bats aren't really that far off, I mean they have, they're kind of loaded. I mean, Julio you gotta think, like they got Starling, they got well. I don't think Marte's playing in the in the baseball class because they got Pena on their bench. They have a lot of good bench bats as well. Yeah. So I definitely think that this team is probably going to win the whole thing. But I definitely think Team USA has probably the best lineup. But just be for the plain, just for the plain fact that Team DR's pitching is absolutely loaded. I feel like. Did you guys see Puerto Rico's pitchers? No. Uh, all I know is that Edwin Diaz is on the team. Yeah, they have Edwin Diaz, Jose Barrios, Jorge Lopez, Emilio Pagan, Marcus Stroman. It's about the only names I recognize. Stroman played, Stroman played for the U.S. in 2017. So He's on Puerto Rico. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. You could do you do that, but it's just great because he dominated for Team USA like in 2017. Yeah. So. All right, on to our next topic. Jose Quintana is likely to miss some time due to a rib injury he suffered in the spring training game. Uh, I definitely feel like this is going to hurt the Mets, and I don't feel like it's going to hurt us that much, to be honest, because I definitely feel like David Peterson is one of the best six-man uh, guys you could probably put in a rotation if one of your starters get hurt. So I feel like David Peterson is probably going to take the nod at the fourth or move Cookie up to the four and then put Peterson at the five or even McNeil at the five. But I definitely think that losing Quintana definitely sucks because I definitely think that McNeil, both McGill and Peterson would have been good in the bullpen, really good in the bullpen for like if we need people to eat innings. So I definitely think losing Quintana for a couple months is going to suck. But although I definitely think putting Peterson in is not going to be I think putting Peterson in is going to be like just the same since he's going to be the four or five anyway. So I definitely think it's not going to hurt the rotation as much as people think it will. Yeah, because they just they just picked him up, didn't they? The, mm -hmm. the free agency this year. Yeah. yeah. So really got to see what he's going to do yet. When yeah. I mean, if he got hurt, he probably didn't really pitch yet. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the two times he got pitched, to be honest, he got shelled. Like I'm not going to lie, he got shelled. When he got hurt, he had a 45 ERA. Like, what? So, I definitely think that, like, how I just said, I don't really think it's going to be a big deal since he was our number four anyway. And we could just plug in McGill or Peterson in there. So, you had anything to say on that, Mike? Yeah, he is, he is a little older, and he's been around with a, with a bunch of teams. But, I mean, honestly, I don't think it's really going to hurt us that much because, like you said, you could put Peterson in, but he – I don't know. Peterson's always either like up or down. Like he he has like a great outing, and sometimes he gets shelled. But like he's a, he's a big lefty, and I, I like that because you know we have however many guys in our starting lineup are, are righties. So with Verlander, Scherzer, and and all that. So yeah, I mean the lefty in the lineup would be in the rotation is good. I think uh, I I was never really that big of a fan of Quintana. Anyway, sucks he got hurt. I would have rather see him in the bullpen than 
than Peterson, I guess. I'd probably rather Peterson in the starting rotation, probably at five, and maybe Quintana could help out in the uh, in the bullpen. And, and especially when he comes back, I'm sure they're going to probably rehab him in, in the minors and bring him up, maybe get thrown in the bullpen if Peterson's doing good or whatever, depending on what injuries we have then. But he'll be back, obviously, but he's going to miss a good bit of time. I definitely like what you said about putting Quintana in the bullpen. Like, obviously, as people go at age, like, they're most likely going to end up in the bullpen. Like, let's say, let's think, Tim Lincecum. Guy was an absolute freak for three, three four years. Monster. Mm-hmm. Was Guy Young's three World Series rings in his career with Giants. But as he got older, because he was throwing 130 pitches a game, he was a bullpen pitcher. So I definitely think as he gets older, maybe we'll put him in the bullpen. But I definitely like what you said about putting Peterson at the four or five because how how you said he definitely is a really he has a really good outing or it's a shitty outing. So either way, I definitely think it's not going to hurt us as much because I def I feel like Quintana would have produced the same as Peterson or McGill to be honest. If you have anything to say on that, Mike. Yeah, that that it, I just I'd rather the lefty to be honest in the lineup, but yeah, that that's basically. That's all I really have on that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to be killing myself because Quintana is out for. Yeah. <laughs> well, did you did you say that they were going to put Miguel and they were going to put Miguel in the bullpen this season? They were, McGill was in our McGill and Peterson were both going to be our uh, our middle inning relievers, but now that Quintana yeah. because McGill and Peterson were both starters at one point in yeah, last year. Because I know I know yeah. Miguel had. What, no hitter last year. Yeah, he was he was a part of that five person no hitter. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously, I don't know as much about the Mets that as you guys do, but I mean, I always thought Miko had a decent arm. I mean, he came up, pitched pretty good last last year. I mean, obviously, had a couple of games, probably didn't perform as well, but I mean, overall, I I I didn't mind him. I could see him possibly staying in a in a rotation if, he, if there was no other you know pickups. All right, on to the next topic. We have the Padres expect to negotiate with Juan Soto and Josh Hader. And honestly, as a Mets fan, I got to respect it. I got to respect what they're trying to do over there in San Diego. They're trying to win just like the Mets are. If their owners, if their owner is willing to go out and pay Juan Soto and Josh Hader what they want to stay in San Diego for their career, I will give them all the respect because Steve Cohen did the exact same thing he wants to win and San Diego wants to win. So honestly, as I, if if they were to negotiate with them and they were to sign, it's gonna suck because that's probably gonna be the powerhouse in the National League for the next five six years. But yeah. gotta respect it just for the plain fact that Steve Cohen and the Mets are doing the exact same thing they're doing and they want to win. I mean, obviously, Padres got to keep trying to keep Soto and Hater. I mean, obviously, Soto's want Soto. He's gonna. I could see him probably getting a big contract, big number contract. Hater, I he performed really well with the Brewers. He was one of my favorite, you know, bullpen pitchers in the league. He was dominant. Went to San Diego, kind of got kicked around a lot. But I mean, I he's still a guy that I think they should keep. I think he's he's gonna come around this year. I I know Hater's probably gonna ask a lot less than Soto is, but I still think you gotta. You got to keep Hader too. I mean, if it came down to picking one or two, I don't. Obviously, you're going to pick Soto, but realistically, you got to try to keep both as 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 best you can. You got anything on that, Mike? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Soto's obviously going to be more of an important signing for them. Is he on contract for this last year or what? Oh uh, yeah, he did an arbitra- uh, the arbitration thing, like with the with the thing the Mets had to do yeah, with the beat. Right. Yeah, so he so he's definitely getting a, a monster contract, especially with baseball throwing around all these numbers with big players. Like even Machado got his three fifty. Uh, and like you said, the Padres are doing the same thing the Mets are. They're throwing tons and tons of money at these big players and basically going for it uh, now. But I, the thing I don't like about all that is if you keep getting guys like you have Machado, then you have Soto, and then you're you know, signing Tatis and all these other guys to like 10-year contracts or 12 years or whatever, you're, you're basically what? You're going to be stuck with them 12 years down the line. I mean, that's more of like a – so I don't really agree with the long term like that. Like I'd rather – I'd rather sign a guy for like seven, maybe eight years max, you know, instead of taking the guy into like, he could be 27, 28 years old. He's going to be 40 at the end of a 12 year contract. So it's like, and then toward the end, you know, slip down in production and stuff like that. But Juan Soto is definitely worth it. And if they have to give up a, a 10 year deal to him, if I were them, I would do it because the NL's loaded, probably more so than the AL, at least for the foreseeable future. So any team that's going to win is going to have to spend with teams like the Mets and the Padres and teams are actually going out there and doing something. Because if you don't, you're not, you're just going to be at the bottom of the leaderboards, like the nationals. I like what you said about not uh, signing people long-term. I definitely agree about that. Like I definitely think signing someone to six to seven years is definitely more safe than signing someone to 11 or 12 years. I'm not sure what Chris Davis, what the Baltimore Orioles gave Chris Davis at one point, but at one point the guy almost won a triple crown. The guy was an absolute monster the year. And then him, the year. Yeah, him, the him, and there was one year him and Miggy were going back and forth for triple crown. Probably, yeah. And on, in my opinion, it was them two, them two fighting for that was probably one of the greatest seasons I've ever saw two people fighting for an MVP and a triple crown. So, like. What you said about people not living up to the expectation after they get signed for big money, I definitely think that's a good point because just for the fact that you don't know what they're going to be able to do in two, three years. Chris Davis one year didn't have a hit in 67 at-bats. That's insane. Yeah, I was say, he, he went for like 0 for 60-something. And at one point, yeah. like you said, he was they were fighting for he was fighting for a triple crown. Like that shit, It's crazy yeah. to see how fast some players can decline. And you like really Josh, have to roll the dice Josh Hamilton was an absolute monster for the Texas Rangers. Four home runs in one game, I think 11 RBIs in that game. Goes to the yeah. Los Angeles Angels, shits the bet. Like, well, there, there was more to him than Yeah, it was more than that. Yeah. But, like, crazy how, like, 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 with Hamilton and stuff like that, it's just crazy how, like, they're willing to risk what they have. They're, re- they're willing to risk what other people dream of, is what I'm trying to say. Like, I yeah. dream – to be in their position and the way that Hamilton and like Chris Davis didn't do what they were expected to do really sucks, but it's whatever, I guess. So I think what Mike said is a really good point. Signing Soto for that long, you, he's obviously one of the best. He's probably the best hitter in baseball. So signing him is definitely a priority for them just to have a really good dynasty for the next couple of years. And like how Zach said, haters, they're not going to obviously pay hater as much as Soto, but keeping hater is definitely something to do, especially since they signed Nick Martinez for four years. If they could have Nick Martinez and Josh Hader in that bullpen as a dynamic duo, that could be really good for them. I, I definitely think Hader's a key part to that bullpen. I mean, I don't really know much of anybody else in that bullpen that can perform or, you know, show up the way Hader's been. 
I think that like uh, when you look at like even though they're two different contract situations with like uh, with Judge and Lindor, like because Lindor left the team but went to a new team, especially going to a market like New York. You know, his first year wasn't that great, you know, and like we signed him to this huge contract right away, and everybody's like, oh, he's not even that good. He, you gave him a big waste of contract, but like he's come around. I feel like Lindor's a good guy to invest that much time in. The same with Aaron Judge, like. The Yankees giving Aaron Judge a long-term deal like that is is good, but uh, what? How many years did he get? Eleven for, or you Judge. might know. Judge, he got nine for four something. Nine. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was double. I didn't agree with nine, but guys like that, yeah, they're not gonna, they're not gonna fall, they're not gonna fall off in those years. Like Juan Soto, I don't see him falling off. I just see him getting better as time goes on. So I, I would invest my, my money in Soto for sure. Anything else? I mean, I mean, like I know Soto came to San Diego and struggled batting field-wise, but like you said, the same thing with Lindor. It's gonna take more than you know a season or so to get used to a situation to a whole nother, you know, region that you're playing in. So I mean, right. obviously, I think Soto's gonna come around this year. I think he's gonna, if he knows he's coming up on a contract deal, I think he's gonna perform kind of in the way Judge did. You know, show up, try to crush the ball, try to earn that money. I, and before we started the pod, Zach was telling me that Soto's batting a 700 with the ship. And obviously, Juan Soto and all these big-name guys are not getting as many at-bats as all the prospects and all that stuff with spring training. But to bat a 700 and, like, 12 at-bats with the shift, without a shift, is crazy. So, like, I definitely think, too, Soto's going to be ripping. And, they're, and, they, and he's going to come out and show them why they need to pay him. I know people were pissed off too about that because they're like, "Oh, he's batting seven twenty-seven against people that are going to be bagging groceries in a couple months." <laughs> There's, I mean, yeah, in in a way, they're not wrong, but you see some of these pitchers coming in, prospect pitchers pitching, they're showing up. I mean, there's a couple guys that are coming up and performing. I mean, you're still facing big league pitchers to some extent. I mean, it's not like they're just picking guys off the street and letting them pitch in spring training. I mean, they're still professional baseball players yeah they, they and the shifting like is going to be good for soto too because you can't just stack everybody on the one side of the infield and and stuff like that that's why i think also the shift with uh i think Pete alonzo is another one who's going to do good with that we're on to our next topic we got Jason Dominguez and Anthony Volpe's future with the Yanks, and I honestly think they both of them have such a bright future for the Yankees. I honestly think that what the Yankees should try and do is try and send Isaiah kind of the left foot to Los Angeles because of the fact that Gavin Lux went down and tore his ACL, obviously, so they're itching for a shortstop, second baseman, third baseman, just an infielder to take uh, to really just do what Gavin Lux was supposed to do for him. But Dominguez, dude, like, he's a stud. Like, he's a stud. Volpe's a stud. I saw Volpe's band at 353, stole, like, two bags, I believe, probably more. So I definitely think Volpe and Dominguez are probably going to get called up sometime this year. I I hope that maybe they're opening day starters. But I definitely think that Dominguez and Volpe have such a bright future in the Bronx. No, I mean – Obviously, I'm probably the most excited out of all of us to see these two guys come up. I mean, like you said, Volpe is batting 353 with home run and RBI, 17 at-bats in spring training, and I can only see them numbers going up. I don't see him, you know, hitting a slump, struggling with anything. Um, 
and Jason Dominguez batting 429, two home runs, one absolute moonshot. I mean, th- these are these are guys that I think are going to play a big role for the Yankees coming up, whether it's opening day, all-star break, end of the season. You know, I could definitely see them coming up in the next year or two, though. I mean, I know Jason Dominguez is still young. I think he just turned 20 today. I mean, you're still going to have to let some of these younger guys get their reps. But, I mean, I could definitely see them coming up very, very soon. There's one other person I wanted to mention on the Yankees that I forgot to add to this. What I've been seeing out of Oswaldo Cabrera has been really, really surprising me. He's been killing the ball. His defense has been really good. I definitely think that the Yankees with them three have such a bright future with them. I think you could put Cabrera anywhere from third, short, second, and then put him in the outfield. Like the guy's such a good utility, and plus his bats been showing up in spring. Maybe it's not. Maybe how Zach said earlier about people getting pissed about Juan Soto always not facing real pitchers. Blah blah blah. It's spring training. He's facing. MLB pitchers, like, if we pitched to him, he'd kill us. Like, I don't know why people are pissed. Like, what? So I definitely think that Cabrera, Volpe, Dominguez, they, they're going to be really good for the Yankees. And it sucks to say that coming from the other side of New York. But, yeah, I think the Yankees are going to have a really, really good time with them three. Well, they brought Cabrera up the end of last year. He really played well. I was really, really glad to see him performing well. I mean, had a lot of good catches in the outfield. Got a lot of good, solid base hits, you know, big runs. I mean, he's he's another one, like you said. Them three are going to be really good for the Yankees in the next couple of years. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know too much about Volpe, but I do know uh, Dominguez is an absolute monster. I think, I think you know he's definitely going to be there this year and going to contribute probably in a big, big way with him. I mean, he'll probably bat, you know, what toward the bottom of the lineup, but. I mean, he's also a guy that, you know, doesn't have to play every single day if he doesn't have to. But, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset if I was a Yankee fan and having him in the organization. I saw something else with the Yankees that since Berrios is done, I saw that uh, Clark Schmidt and uh, Domingo Yerman are fighting for the fifth spot. And mm-hmm. I definitely think. I saw Yerman pitch against the Mets last year in the Subway Series, and I definitely think Yerman isn't a horrible number five option. I was talking to Stin about Clark Schmidt. He was telling me that he added a cutter, and it's looking really good. So it's going to be really fun to see who could take the number five spot for that rotation because I definitely think even losing Barrios, that one through four, is definitely still the best in baseball. So I don't know. I think losing – no, not Barrios, sorry, Montas. Frankie Montas. Montas. Yeah. Uh, but losing Montas, I don't really – it's definitely hurt because I definitely think Montas is a number three on any other team besides the Yankees. But Clark Schmidt and D- Domingo Yerman have been really pitching good in spring training, so it's going to be really exciting to see who the uh, – Ka- does Cash make the decisions on who is in the rotation? I'm not too sure. All right, well, whoever – Whoever decides who's the number fifth in that rotation, I really don't think you'd go wrong with Schmidt or really both been pitching really well and like how Stin told me uh uh Clark added a cutter that's been looking good so you could throw one of them in the bullpen obviously I definitely think they're going to be one's going to be in the rotation obviously one's going to be in the bullpen so either way they go I definitely think the Yankees rotation is still the best in the league despite losing Montes and like how I said Dominguez, Volpan, Cabrera if they could come up I, I think Cabrera is definitely a lock for opening day starter but yeah, Volpe and Dominguez, like if they could get 
they could get brought up or called up for opening day or even called up during the season, I definitely think they're going to shine in the Bronx. I, I think if Volpe keeps batting the way he is, he might come up. Dominguez, like I said, I think he still needs some more reps in the minors because he's so young. I mean, not that Volpe is much older, but, I mean, Volpe's had a little bit more time in a farm system to play. I mean, Volpe's in 275 games has 50 home runs, 162 RBIs. I mean, Dominguez has 21 with 78 RBIs or something in about half the games. But you were saying about Clark Schmidt. He he was with us for a couple of years now. I know he had a hard hard time out there. I know he was getting shelled pretty good. But, I mean, he's been coming around the last year or two. Right? You, like you said, he added that cutter. I mean, you can't go wrong with with either one of them. I mean, Jermon, he, he pitched – Couple of years ago for the Yankees, I mean, I know he's been coming up a little, little bit here and there. He's not bad either. He was always fun to watch. Uh, like you said, I don't think you can go bad or go wrong either way. Can you hear Eddie? No. Do you have anything else to say, Mike, or no? Um, no, not really. Not on that though. Jordan Walker next week being in St. Louis. Uh, dude, when I was talking that whole time, could you not hear me? No, just right there for a second. Oh, all right. Yeah, I, did there. you hear what I was saying about Clark Schmidt and Yerman and all that? All right, yeah, because that kind of scared me when he said could you hear me. But sorry about that. But Jordan Walker, the next thing in St. Louis, and, dude, he's been ripping in spring training. Bad. He's batting a 417 with three home runs and six RBIs and 24 at-bats. I think if they could put him in that outfield or even as a DH uh, spot – I think that that lineup in St. Louis can be really disgusting. He has a he has a career three ten average right now too in the minors. You know, thirty three home runs, one hundred sixteen RBIs, and two hundred one games. Uh, I mean, he's he's fun to watch. I, he's definitely going to be definitely going to be a good good key component at some point for the Cardinals. Uh, I can see him coming up soon too. And he's huge. He's six five. So like. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely think that this guy could definitely be the next thing in St. Louis. Like he's been killing the bond spring training. If they if they call him up for opening day as a DH or put him in uh, right field, because I think that they're no, they have Carlson and Tyler O'Neill in left and right. I'm not 100 percent sure those center fielders. So I definitely think that Walker might play opening day or get called up for opening day as a DH or somewhere in the outfield. But no matter what, called up opening day or called up during the season, I definitely think this kid has a bright future. I I do too. I mean, being 6'5", he's only 20 years old, and he literally looks like he's like 35. Like he, <laughs> does, he does not look like a 20-year-old kid at all. And I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about it. He's going to be on that opening day roster. Um, and he, he did play a lot of third base, um, if I'm not mistaken, right? He, he played a lot of third I think base he's, ta- he's taken so, – I know he's taken a lot of reps or some reps at third at some point. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he played a good bit in the minors at third, but he does have a huge arm. I think they said his, he could, he's throwing like 98 or something. <laughs> so, like, who knows wherever to help, wherever it's going to go. That's obviously why he's not on the hill. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see him. The walker train there – Everybody's on the, the hype train of, of Walker. And the Cardinals need that. I mean, they won the division last year. Um, but another bat like that and a, a nice arm in the outfield, 
I mean, I don't think they're going to, I mean, they'll make playoffs again, but I don't think they're going to go much further than that, but it could definitely help them be like a bother to somebody in the first round of the playoffs, maybe knock somebody big out. Hopefully not the Mets again, but <laughs> hopefully we're not one and done. Uh, so yeah, Walker's going to fit into that lineup really good. Like they have Goldschmidt coming, like they have Goldschmidt, Arenado, they have Tommy Edmond, Tyler O'Neill. Like they have, they have really good bats in that lineup. And I definitely think adding Jordan Walker in that lineup somewhere, like even eight, seven, eight, nine, like that's going to be dangerous for some teams, especially like how I said, Goldschmidt reigning MVP, Arenado, arguably the best third baseman in baseball. Edmonds a freak. Carlson's really good. O'Neill played all right last year. Like they could be a problem again. They, they, I know they had just have a lot of good bats too. Like all of them got on base a lot, got a lot of nice solid hits or clutch hits and stuff like and I mean, adding Contreras too. I forgot about the like got rid of Yachty. We'll take Wilson Contreras. Wilson Contreras. Yeah, like, I forgot about that. So like that was you. really good. Like I think St. Louis is also a really good team in the National League. So like the National League is gonna be tough with the Mets, St. Louis, Braves, Padres. Like all, there's a lot of good teams in both divisions. So this year's gonna be insane. Yeah, and the, the Cardinals, like you said, are always uh. I mean, since they've they've had Yachty for however many years he played it, a ton, like they've always been big on like a good catcher. And I mean, I'm and I'm surprised Yachty played that long at catcher. That's very hard to do on your knees and and all that stuff. But yeah, as soon as they went out and they still got Contreras right after him again, one of the top catchers in the league. They're they're really big on always having a, a solid catcher, which is smart. I mean, have one guy who could be there for however many years, work with the pitchers and be on the same page all the time like with the whole pitch clock thing like we were talking about before um a little while ago how like the pitchers and the catchers are gonna have to be on the same page with like the signs and stuff and get it off quick and quicker than they ever have before because if you don't it's a wasted pitch so yeah they, they're definitely they definitely had a good move with getting Contreras so you don't realize how big having a good backstop like that is until yeah. you know comes to that point On to the next topic. We got – there's a lot of players have who have been showing out in spring training. Uh, Francisco Lindor's banned at 389. He's been playing really good. He just left for, for the Puerto Rico World Baseball Classic, so we, we won't be seeing him anymore for spring training. But there's a lot of guys who have been surprised me, like Tim LaCastro from the Mets as well. The guy played for the Yankees, I believe, last year a little bit. And yeah. he didn't play much, but he was the guy – is really fast. He's a really good base runner, but he's also batting at 363 with like four doubles. So there's a lot of guys in spring training that are coming out and are trying to earn a spot. I don't think LaCastro is going to sniff the field for the Mets as much as any of the other outfielders. He'll probably be like a Travis Janikowski last year. We might play start three games. But like there's a lot of guys like Corbin Carroll's been doing good. Corbin Carroll just hit a triple in like 10 seconds the other day. Like that's crazy. I was like, about to say Corbin Carroll's probably he's I could see him make an opening day roster for the Diamondbacks. Yeah. He's he's a freak. Like there's so many guys like Brett Beatty's batting 471 in like 18 at bats. Like uh Kevin Biggio from the Blue Jays is batting at 368. Like there's so many guys that have been doing good. Jason Hayward has two home runs and he's batting over 300 on the Dodgers. Like there's a lot of guys, especially like older guys that are showing out the spring training. Nelson Cruz just hit a home run the other day, too, for the Padres. Yeah, that guy's like 60 years old now. Yeah. Like, I know. I'm about it. <laughs> I, like, uh, I like Gunnar Henderson a lot, actually. Yeah. 
There's one, there's two people that have been really surprising me in spring training, and one's Jared Kelnick from the Seattle Mariners. This is a part of the Edwin Diaz trade. So he was he was a Met prospect, but obviously we traded him to the Mariners. But the guy has four home runs this off not this offseason, this spring training. And he's batting one second. He's batting four twelve. So like he's doing really good for seven for seventeen at bats and four home runs. He's doing really good. And also, there's another guy. Alec Bohm has been surprised me. Like, last year he was a part of the Phillies uh, NL pennant team, obviously. But this spring he's been doing really good. I saw he got much stronger. He's, he looks more muscular. Like, the guy's probably going to be a big problem in the NL if he could continue producing like he is in spring training for the Phillies. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we hit on most of the most people I was going to bring up, like Jordan Walker, Volpe, Dominguez, uh, Soto. I mean, a lot of a lot of those are most of the guys I was gonna hit on. I mean, I know Judge. He came back. He got a couple couple at bats in. He had a home run. But like I said before, there's a lot of really good prospects coming up the next couple of years that are gonna be problems for a lot of teams. And I think it's gonna that, help a lot of teams. One that you said, Ed, was uh, Alec Baum has been surprising. Even you know. During last year, I mean, he, he almost got ran out of Philly at one point. You know, they, they, he was, his glove was absolutely horrendous. Like, I always knew he could hit and stuff, but uh, he really did improve it, his glove a lot because it was bad. Like, re- like he was one of the, uh, one of the worst fields. He had, two, he had two errors against the Mets in one inning. Yeah. Yeah. Might even be, might even been three and two innings or something like that. That's crazy. But yeah, he's been actually doing really good this spring and like, I know Trey Turner, Trey Turner, he, he's been killing it. So, like, like, yeah, there's so many players that have been doing really well, especially, like, like there's players that we haven't heard of in so long. Like, Roman Quinn, he has three home runs. Like, that's crazy. Who's No one's heard of Roman he, I, I brought him up to one time, wasn't he? With, yeah. He's with the Indians, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think he, – he, I don't know if he'll make the opening day roster, do you? I mean, maybe first, like as a base runner, but like I don't think he'll be uh, on the field. Yeah, for the Guardians. For the Guardians. Do you have anything else, Zachary? No, I mean we hit on everybody. I was gonna say about Corbin Carroll, how fast he was with that ten-second triple or whatever. But that's that's about all I got. All right, now our last one, our last topic for this episode is we're gonna predict who's gonna win the Cy Young for the AL and NL. So, Mike, you could go first. Um, give, us, give us the give us. We're gonna do NL. Do NL first and AL. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm probably gonna go with uh, Spencer Strider. I don't know. I hate I hate the Braves, but you know, I mean, he's he's good. The Braves pitching staff too is loaded. I mean, that's that's gonna be tough with them in the division. But uh, I'm definitely gonna take uh, Strider for sure. I I think. You know, I, I just – the way he pitched even in his rookie season was just absolutely phenomenal. And he's he's, he's, he's going to be the number one, right? Yeah. He has to be. Him or Freed. Yeah, he has to be. I think I think he's better than Freed. Freed is good, though, but I don't think he would be Cy Young. Or like, I don't think he's Cy Young level. But we'll see about Strider. I think Strider for an out. And then who do you think for the AL? Um – why don't we, let's just all say it right now first. I got to think all about right, that. Yeah, we'll do that. You, you can go all ahead right. with that. My, my NL, I would say, is almost a given. 
I mean, I'm going to go with Sandy Alcantara just after his season last year. He was absolutely dominant. I mean, it, it wasn't even it wasn't even funny watching him pitch last year. And it's and it wasn't even something like he kind of came out of he more or less came out of nowhere. I mean, I know he had a good good season a couple of years ago, but last year he you know won the Cy Young, fourth in strikeouts, 207, and he had a 2.28 ERA. I mean, he he was dominant last year. Like nobody was touching him. But I mean, Mike said Spencer Schrider. I I didn't really think of that as much, but I mean, I could definitely agree with that as well. Uh, for mine, my NL Cy Young, I'm going to go with Zach Gallen from the Arizona Diamondbacks. His second half after that All-Star break was absolutely gross. After the All-Star break, he had an 8-2 record with a 1.49 ERA, and after the All-Star break, he was fifth in Cy Young voting. And for the whole for the whole year, he was 12-4 with a 2.54 ERA. So the guy had a very solid year. So I'm going to go with Zach Gallen as my NL Cy Young prediction. And now we're going to go with the AL starting with Mike again. I, I really want to go with um, I really want to go with Shohei, but I mean he's I don't know I'm thinking I'm just thinking like it's gonna be like he doesn't just pitch so like he's playing all the time you know he's batting and stuff like that I mean he's he's a great pitcher but I don't know if he's gonna have Cy Young caliber pitching season and like imagine if he won Cy Young and AL MVP that'd be nuts that'd be absolutely insane. So I'm not really going to pick him. He'd probably be my second one, but um, just because he bats more, I'm not going to pick him. I'd probably go with – for some reason, I have, I have a feeling that Alec Renault is going to have a huge year this year. I don't know why. I just have a, a, a I like weird – Yeah, I have a weird feeling about him being a, being a Cy Young candidate. At least I, – I feel like he'll at least finish top three in it. But I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and say that I think he's, he's possibly going to win it. Um, for my AL MVP or AL Cy Young, I'm I'm gonna give you a hot take and just say Rodon. Not because I'm just a Yankees fan. I mean, I he he is dominant. I don't think people realize how dominant he really was. You know, out west and hopefully gonna be on the East Coast. But 14 and eight record last year, 2.888 ERA. He was first place in K per nine last year with pretty much a 12. That's that's crazy. But, I mean, coming to New York, you know, he had, he's surrounded by a lot of other good pitchers like Cole, Nestor, you know, Severino, all of them. I think that's going to help boost his confidence, maybe get them numbers up. But, yeah, I think I'm going to go with Rodon for AL. For mine, it's kind of tough for me because, like, I know what the Grom could do if he's healthy and plays a full year. Like, I was thinking that too. I know the Grom. Like I know if the Grom can stay healthy. Like honestly, the guy's probably winning the MVP. The guy's a freak. absolute monster when he's healthy. He's gonna have a sub one ERA when he's healthy for the Rangers if he's healthy. So with mine, I'm gonna say the Grom if he's healthy. But if he ain't, I'm honestly gonna have to say one of the pitchers from the Astros, Christian Javier, Framber Valdez. I don't think you could go wrong with either of them. Like Framber Valdez, we all we could do in the absolutely dominated the whole entire postseason. He set an MLB record with 29 quality starts last year, and he had a 2.82 record season uh, ERA. So I don't think you can go wrong with either of them. Obviously, we saw Javier also. He had five or six innings, I believe, as well. So 
honestly, I'm either going to have to go with the Grom, if healthy, pitching the whole year, or one of the top two from the Astros, Framber Valdez or Christian Javier. I like the the Grom thing. I was going to say something about him, but like I can't even bring it up just for the fact that he's he's not going to be healthy. He's not even healthy right now, and the season yeah. didn't even start yet. So, yeah, I just had a, I have a weird feeling about Manoa for some reason. I know Zach would like to hear that with his being a Yankees fan. But. No, I definitely I definitely like Manoa, especially like since they added Bassett too. Like their rotation's honestly not bad. I don't. I'm. I, oh, they have also. So their one through three is honestly pretty good. But I like that Manoa pick. He was top five in Cy Young voting last year. So I definitely think Manoa's going to come out and show people that he should be the Cy Young. I mean, I, I was I was also thinking about Manoa too. I mean, he came out last year, obviously made the all-star team, pitched extremely, extremely well all year. But I in my, in my head, I just couldn't give enough, you know, examples on why he, why he could win it this year. I mean, he definitely could. Definitely think there's a chance of it, but. I don't know. I still think Radon has a beat for it. All right, and that's going to wrap up today's episode of The Baseline. Thank you guys for tuning in to episode 12, and we'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. Peace out.